Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So God designed humanity to be a consuming creature. It was not to sustain life from death, like we think about today, but was part of the enjoyment over life, was just to consume and eat. It came from the promise of Genesis chapter 1. Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Since the fall into sin by our first parents, eating's got some issues. Consuming has now become a mixed training. Teaches you 101, you need basically food, water, and shelter, right? This might get you by for a time, but as you know, it leaves little room for satisfaction. It's not like ordering a pizza. Labeled today to be consumers is what we're called. It's because we do notice when inflation hits the markets, don't we? Uh, a matter of fact, it makes us question about what we're going to buy now at the store. Maybe wondering, is that cereal box have one less serving size. Consuming life gives happiness. Only to find out this one problem. It's here for a moment and gone in the next. The following Sundays that we have before us, specifically the next three Sundays, the Gospel according to John reveals Jesus to be the bread of life. It flows out of what we've kind of heard the past Sundays here at Zion. Think of it in terms of this. Land, water, land. Jesus fed thousands the previous day on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. His disciples that night crossed over in a boat and saw Jesus walking on water. The next day, He's on land, and the crowd he miraculously fed, they find him. Land, water, land. It recalls a similar pattern, don't you know, God had with Israel long ago. The Lord saved them from the land of Egypt. He let them cross over the Red Sea on dry ground. God would provide for his people in a wilderness land for 40 years. He would take care of them. So Jesus on this side of the water addresses humanity's need to consume. Since everything perishes, there is no permanence, no rest, and no lasting satisfaction, the bread of life keeps on giving. So fill up on Jesus because God is for us. The aim of his giving keeps on with salvation. It's all about saving. Those that came to him wanted more, didn't they? But it was actually less. Jesus redirected sinful hearts away from the daily bread to the food that endures to eternal life, which he said the Son of Man will give you. 
Of course, the crowd figured if works are necessary, this is how we think, for short-term good over life, we've got to do stuff. How much more must it be to gain eternal food? There had to be guidelines or some effort on their part, considering the rest of life operated this way for Israel with the law. I mean, he even gave commands of how to gather the food twice over make, to make sure not to have anything on the Sabbath day, right? So here we are. But here's the problem. They weren't the producers. That belonged to Jesus and his word from the gospel. He told them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. There is a seeking after life today. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the prosperity gospel. It comes with this kind of a theme, name it and claim it kind of theology, placing you in the driver's seat. It's kind of fun. The popularity of it all looks to consume your best life right now from God and even takes hostage faith as something that you produce. This reverses the work of salvation from God to be in your hands. So here's what the outcome is. What you see is what you get. Everything hinges on how much you believe, so only believe harder, and you'll get it. And you'll also work all the more harder to get it. But it misses what Jesus said about faith, didn't he? He said, faith, this is the work of God. And so Martin Luther comments, faith is a divine work which God demands of us. But at the same time, he himself must implant it in us. For we cannot believe by ourselves. In other words, we can't produce it. You see, the Father has set his seal on Jesus because he alone holds the gospel. And that has the aim, the biggest aim for life of eternal salvation for us all. So this means of his giving then keeps on. It keeps on continually to exceed all others. Such a claim by Jesus moved the crowd to demand a miracle equal to that or better than what Israel had in the wilderness. Moses was the man that made it all happen, didn't he? At least in their glorified vision of the past, the nostalgia. Moses was doing it all for us then. Yeah, right. They forgot it was not some great management plan by Moses that saved the day. He delivered, as a servant, God's promise for food. But he also made it very, very clear. Him and Aaron, what did he say? What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. To exceed all others, Jesus as the Lord in our flesh confessed God's fullest answer to the grumbling lives of sinners. To each and every one of us, Jesus gives the biggest answer. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. And so for all talk about leaders today, books are written, and my generation passed two days, sure, there's books and books and teaching, all this stuff about leadership. We need all these leaders at all different levels. Well, yeah, true. But the wilderness we are in, frankly, needs the Lord. The leaders will fall in line. But it needs the Lord. Government requires the means of the law in good order that would finally stand before God and not just before men whose hearts and minds are constantly fickle. But the church, the bride of Jesus, well, she exceeds even these good gifts for our daily bread of what you're going to get in this life. The means of forgiveness and for new life in Jesus has spilt out from him alone. For he is the Father's great love sent from heaven. Jesus has outdid leadership training having taken the lead to exceed all others. And how has he done that? By his death and resurrection, by his great sacrifice. And so you heard St. Paul describe what flows out from this crucified Lord of glory that we praise and we confess. St. Paul says, He, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Since the Father gives you the true bread, His Son, there is permanence in Jesus, and this keeps on by the means of His word and sacraments. Manna lasted for a time. And the same goes for leaders, programs, and anything else. But none of them are truly from heaven. Jesus is. And in him, God's love remains. That's what remains in the church, in all times, places, and cultures, to shape his baptized by the only one that knows and bears our gripes and our sorrows. That's what you're giving Theo today, this kind of preservation in a God who truly will take care of what parents can't do. And that's the joy that's been promised to us all from Christ Jesus to have a true Father who walks with us in a weary world. And so the gift of his giving finally keeps on to bring genuine grace upon grace. Manna was a benefit to Israel, but the love of God has become known without limit. Humanity's problem of consuming needs more than regulations or good stewardship on itself from whatever great disaster is going to happen. Before a fallen creation, Jesus declares, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. All earthly blessings now help to sustain life. 
But the Lord knows all too well that it's all in the hands of sinners. So we do pollute. We do poison things like our families with false teachings, hurt the church with misguided concepts of the gospel and of Jesus, destroy countries and nations from our selfishness and deceptions. The Lord knows all of this, but he keeps giving. You see? Genuine love Jesus gives. For I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not go hungry. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The gospel makes us spiritually alive. Repeatedly. So this isn't a one-time thing. Okay, baptism's a one thing. Right? A good thing. A visible thing. But the repeated sanctifying, the continued spiritually making of our life of faith comes by what Jesus gives and keeps giving. While nothing else, you understand this one thing, nothing else in creation, be it you or me or anything we want to think about is so important, will keep on giving genuine life to sinners. To consume him, Jesus, is the gift. And from his forgiveness, guess what? There's abundant life. Now, and you have a future. And it's because it's salvation secure that has no end. How great uh, is it? My um, bread, my daily bread went out this past week. Well, actually, it's almost been a week and a half. Someone hit the pole line, took out the internet, so I've been kind of having to really suffer that. And if you're older and don't use it, you understand. But the reality is, is that this is the way young people are interconnected, and this is the way things get done. And so my work as your pastor really got backed up, and some things didn't get done. But on top of that, I missed the Olympics. I enjoy that. But here it is. As great as the Olympics are, as they go on right now in Japan, we know the winners have to return to defend their glories and so it goes on with all of our life. Success and progress only consume us until there's nothing left to give. The bread of life keeps on giving. So fill up on Jesus, everybody, because God is for us. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds. And Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.